the Neon Confidential Podcast. Is this thing on? <laughs> Welcome back to the Neon Confidential Podcast. Today's guest is someone I knew I was going to have on since the inception of the podcast. He's a longtime friend of mine and the most talented of any of my friends. Not even arguably, it's just not even close. The man is a musical prodigy. He's played music since the age of two and can play over 40 instruments. He's the new and reigning king of Las Vegas with current and past residencies at top Vegas showrooms, including headlining Planet Hollywood on the Las Vegas Strip, the Smith Center, which is our performing arts center with an amazing stage where the Nevada Ballet and incredible rotating shows are performed, the Strat, and then now the Palms, which if you've ever visited or live in Vegas, you know those showrooms are big deals. But moreover, he's traveled all over the world playing with national symphony orchestras. Ladies and gentlemen, Frankie freaking Marino. This this podcast we talk about how he has more number one hits than any artist on the planet literally he kicked my man george Strait out of the top spot we talk about how he got into music and really zone in on his songwriting process obviously he has a lot to say as someone with over 80 number one charted billboard hits we did a few things different this episode namely we left a minute of the beginning prep for the podcast in this time we've had a few people request bloopers or ask if we cut anything out and the answer is we usually leave everything in so it's one long conversation except for when we hit record to like test out the microphones before we jump into the q a and the episode so i think the minute that we left in when we were rolling out of like i think there was five minutes of total dialogue gives a little insight to how frankie and i interact usually meaning it's just like not as structured and provides a little satirical intro to the rest of the podcast. Also a little disclaimer, my English Mastiff Zena also makes her podcast debut. We had her in the studio because her uncle Frankie came to visit her when she was very first diagnosed with cancer and he played some music for her. So she just loves him so much. So in the episode, you can hear she's barking to try to get through all the podcast equipment to get to him. So we were going to cut those parts out, but honestly, it's just so damn cute and she loves him so much. So we left it in. With that... Please welcome Frankie Marino to the Neon Confidential Podcast. I can't believe you're not going to wear these headphones. We could talk about that at the beginning. About why you're not wearing the headphones? Wait, I need to Because I can hear you because you're right across from me. I know, but I feel like like locked in when I do this. Like last time I didn't do the headphones and I felt well, that's your like problem. off. <laughs> <laughs> But if I put them on for you, because you feel locked in, then I'll feel unlocked. <laughs> Is there a coffee break in the middle of this? No. No, you just go straight for a whole hour. Okay. So that's what the water was for. All right, I'm ready. <laughs> okay, thank Is there you. some sort of start we do? Action. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to introduce you, so just okay. hold tight. That's where I'm, and then I like kind of stop looking at my notes. Are we rolling? Yeah, we're live. Actually, let me make sure. Yeah. Ready? Ready. You want to have the headphones on, don't you? No. I mean, I'm going to be, I'm going to have the headphones, but I'm just going to make a note and say why you don't have the headphones on. Why? Just because I'm two feet away from you. If it makes you feel professional. It doesn't make me feel, I feel like locked in. I told you. Okay. I feel like blocked in. <laughs> We're going to just start okay. now, okay? Today on the show, I'm so excited to have on a dear friend and the most electric performer I've ever seen, Frankie Moreno. He's been named Las Vegas Headliner of the Year five times, and he's consistently breaking records. I've been so fortunate to see him perform dozens of times in multiple cities, 
the most notable for me was Kennedy Center mm -hmm. in Washington, D.C. Was that for you, too? Yeah, that was a good one. It was a t totally sold-out crowd. Um, so thanks so much for making the time, taking a break from yeah, creating music to be here. here. Okay. I'm sorry I'm not wearing the headphones like you, but... I, I, I wear headphones for a living, so. I know. How many how many hours a day do you wear headphones? Because he, just so everyone's aware, he rejected, he rejected the headphones. Well, it's not because I don't want to wear headphones, but I can hear your voice from here. <laughs> That's really. It makes annoying. you look more professional, though. I like it. I don't know. I don't wear headphones all day, but like when I record vocals and stuff, I'm recording probably twelve hours a day. And are you like nervous about messing your hair up? No, I'm actually going for a haircut right after this. Are you? Yeah. Do you get your haircut downtown? Right with Larry down at uh, Makeshift Union. Larry. It's Rhea. Yeah, yeah. But he's Rhea. in a band. Yeah. You guys all stick together? He's in together? a killer band. Yeah, you got to get your hair cut by musicians. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise they cut otherwise it too they short. Otherwise, they don't know. They don't know they how to do it. They just make it too short. So, <laughs> let's, let's jump in. So, I... I feel like I already know everything about you. So this is going to be like me hearing everything multiple times, but I feel like everybody else needs to, needs to know about you. Okay. You have more number one singles than any other artist. What does that mean? Like, is that literal than any other artist like on the planet? Yeah. <laughs> Just... <laughs> what, what does he mean? What does it mean? It means exactly. So I... that's like a huge, that's a huge statement. That's a big mm. thing to say. You have more number ones than any other artist. How did that happen? I mean, I know how it happened, but like you're, how many songs are you writing to get to that goal? Well, there was no goal. I mean, I guess when COVID started, it was like just recording, uh, songs for people to listen while I wasn't performing. And uh, we were charting, you know, and so you got you got like billboard charts, you got iTunes chart, like like billboards for like albums and physical sales when iTunes is for like digital sales and it has to be sales, not like streaming. I'm a, I'm like a big advocate of not streaming music for free just because that's kind of the death of the music industry. Right. Totally. Yeah. It's a cool thing to have. I mean, when we can go on and listen to people's stuff for free, but like. I think it's a good tool, like a Spotify and things like that are a good tool to get exposed to music. And then if you find a band, oh, I love this band, then go purchase the song, you know? So when people, when there's like this many downloads on Spotify, that does nothing for the artist at all. I mean, financially, no. Damn. I mean, I mean, unless you're talking like Drake or, you know, uh, someone who's making, you know, 20 billion streams, but it's, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad income compared to, so like when we sell stuff on uh, physical copies, obviously, or iTunes, that's when you actually see money. And that's why, that's why people complain all the time about how much tickets cost to see artists because they don't make money on their records anymore. So that's why you have to charge for like the live performance aspect. That's why like going to see someone was like hundreds of dollars now instead of 20 bucks. I figured it's because there was just so much more involved. Like what was the, so right now you're at Palms. Yeah, Palms and South Point and I still do Smith Center. Okay, where was, were you at, was it Planet Hollywood, that show that had like the theatrical like mm -hmm. production value of that show was insane. Yeah, so I mean, obviously those things, you don't do that kind of stuff on the road though. That's a Vegas built show. Yeah. You know, you can't take that on the road. I can't take the car on the road and the... Well, yeah, tell, say what that was. You had like an old school like car a, that rolled out on stage, right? Uh, yeah, it was right? like a 65 Cobra. We had um, the car, you know, the like red car. We had every song, the set changed to fit the song. It was mm -hmm. super cool. I know it was cool. It cost way too much money, but it was super cool. Yeah. 
but I feel like I'd be more willing to like pay to go see somebody live. And I guess I'm probably guilty well, of that. Like the only people songs that I buy are yours, but, and that's what I'm saying when I'm like, how did that happen? Your fans are like dialed in. Well, it's just because, I mean, I guess we just, the whole thing started when, I mean, that's too topics i suppose is the the buying the music and the streaming the music and then the number ones but like Mm -hmm. i just i just feel like i i have all the things where i can hear music for free too right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then when i find something like oh wow i really like this uh artist pay the buck and just and just get it xena hey come here that's enough enough but um Zena, you're pretty. Um, I, Good thing I guess, we can I guess edit. I'll, I'll go on and like I'll just pay the buck, and then because that's giving the artist support, they're called an artist because they create for a living, right? Totally. Mm-hmm. We create whether it's music or painting or food, whatever, like your art maybe, and you create that art, and there's really no income for it unless someone purchases the art. There's no income for it, right? You don't just paint something and go like this is worth. A million dollars. Right. It's only worth it if someone pays for it. Mm-hmm. So when people stop paying for the music, you go, well, I think this is worth a dollar. Mm-hmm. And someone goes, mm, I'll just get it for free. It's like, phew, the artist makes no money. So how do they afford to buy another guitar to make another song? You can't. You can't do it. So we kind of advocate for like going to the, 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 the places where you pay. So we started with that during COVID and released like a song or two and uh charted pretty good and with itunes it's hard because you have to chart like it's an hourly chart you have to to be like number one you have to chart within the first hour what it's a lot like with billboard you get a whole week that's wild and billboard's more about an album right you put out an album and then for that week that the week the album comes out the album comes out friday at two o'clock mm-hmm. you got one week to so, sell so how many number ones do you have a lot you don't know? I have 81. Jesus. <laughs> no, do I have 80 or 81? I don't know. I mean, either way, I'm sure it'll be like 81 next if you have 80. So that's... It's 80 or 81. That's insane. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, it wasn't like the plan. The plan was we had a... The plan was to get a couple to chart just so when I can start playing live again, mm. I had, you know, some power behind us to charge more because we have some charts, you know? Yeah. And, um, cause when you chart what that, all that really means uh, when people say, well, what does that even mean? It just means who sold the most. Mm-hmm. So if you chart at number 46, you sold the 46th most. Right. Right. So when you get number one at that time, we sold the most records and then e- each country has its own, you know, like genre, uh, not genres, uh. but each country has its own, like a, like if I chart, if I, if I sell a hundred thousand copies in the U S that doesn't mean I also chart, I have to sell a hundred thousand copies in the other city the other country too right well whatever the number is i mean but Mm -hmm. it changes you just have to beat the next guy so that started from covid so what was covid what was covid like for you like when you you, really so when you but you took away your performance covid you weren't able to change my life because it made me rethink it was kind of like you know how every artist has a, a time frame elvis presley michael jackson frank sinatra the beatles they got that big splash where they do something and then after a while people get they've heard it yeah like oh yeah elvis is great oh yeah beatles are great but you don't have to like follow them every second right right you just know at that point they're great and uh then hopefully they do some resurgence they change the way they're doing stuff and they all come out all of a sudden here comes the beatles wearing like marching band stuff or here comes elvis in his little black leather outfit you know like frank sinatra stops 
wearing the baggy stuff and starts going to the tuxes like everything changes Mm -hmm. covid was that moment for me where like i could rethink what's our what's our purpose for making music what's our focus and we started realizing it was like something to give people while they were all depressed and cooped up and in a bad place not working broke some kind of relief Mm -hmm. and that really just put it into perspective for me like uh, uh, the music is not just about me going up and singing some songs it's about like trying to like kick your emotional ass right yeah and so we started focusing on let me write songs genre didn't matter to me because i wasn't on a label that told me what i needed to do or how often i could put it out i could do a reggae song a classical song a blues song pop song and just every week i'm gonna just write because i have time to do it Mm -hmm. and then i'm gonna release it and i started just by just singing them on facebook live like for fun yeah i remember that and we're getting like, all of a sudden we start getting like 20,000 people, 30,000 people tuning in. Now I go on and I get like six people, you know. <laughs> but but when everybody moment, was home, yeah. Yeah, in that moment I was getting like, I was talking to 30,000 people at a time. And Have you ever had it? Have you ever been part of a label before? Have you yeah, always, yeah. You I was have? on Sony, I was on Warner Brothers, I was on Giant, I was, I was on lots of labels. So what is the difference? The difference the is difference. they tell me what to do and then when I do it, they take all the money. What were they telling you to do? Like sing these kind of songs. This is good. Let's only release once in a while. Uh, if this is your brand, don't change your brand. Smart things to say. Mm-hmm. But when you're a person who's like, I'm classically trained. So why wouldn't I want to? Like I crave playing classical. I crave country music. I, I crave rock and roll. I love hip hop and pop and all I of think it. that's why your shows are so exciting because I feel like there's a little bit of everything, especially at the end when you're kind right. of like taking, I don't know if you still do that, but you take a request, request or... from, the, from the audience. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, I think everybody likes th- this day when you ask somebody what kind of music do you like, they usually say everything, but totally, I know. <laughs> and that's so stupid because it's usually like everything, but country or something like that's what everyone well, do. You know, says. that Elvis Presley's country music, you know, I mean, the early Beatles was country music. I mean, that's, that's a vast everything but classical i'm like classical is so vast over hundreds of years maybe you don't like this or this or this but there's got to be something you like i think you know the most about classical composers of anyone that i've ever met before <laughs> like i feel like your beethoven That's like trivia like is just like on another level my mozart game is on mozart that's right but i know some beethoven um <laughs> how many instruments do you play um all of them i know it's but <laughs> not because like not for like some kind of i'm gonna win it's just because i wanted to i knew very young i wanted to lead a band mm-hmm. i wanted to be the front guy yeah and i and i i knew like when i was 10 i was fronting a band and they were all in their 40s and i was 10 you know that's crazy. and i could go like hey on the guitar that's not what i want it to be well what do you want well not that how do you explain it you know so then you just did it. Well, you just learn it. Mm-hmm. So I know what to tell them. I want that in the fourth fret. You know what I mean? I want the, the E on the bottom. You know, like I can explain it better. Can you explain what it means to play music by ear? Because that's what you do, right? Like that's what you did. Uh, I do both. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I can play with my fingers too. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, I mean, playing by ear is just when, when someone hears something and then can hear it and play it where sight reading is when you're reading the music so i do both those but i never really use sight reading I mean, it's not but isn't that what you like you're a musical prodigy you did that <laughs> you did that from when how old were you when you started playing music um 
three three yeah let's actually start all the way back okay. there let's go all the way back so what happened like what was the moment where like did your parents tell you that you were good did you just i mean there was no, no denying exactly. it like everybody remember, knows you were good i remember like it happened yesterday so i'm gonna make the short story super short okay but you we don't were have having to a we garage have a, sale we have a whole whole hour all right okay so we lived in santa cruz california which is like a beach town and on my particular street it was called dufour street we were i could throw a golf ball into the ocean from my house right doesn't cool. mean it was like oh wow they were you know that was just your backyard that's okay. just what it was. They yeah. were cheap little houses, but it was Santa Cruz, like a little artsy town. Everyone in Santa Cruz either surfed or painted or played the guitar. I mean, it was like a, like you kind of have to be this. And one thing that they really um, uh, were advocates for was like, don't do other people's stuff. Don't do what's been done. Be you. Be you. Mm-hmm. Like so, the community? Like just as a just whole, Santa Cruz as a whole. Like, like everyone. Like every artist was like trying to be weird. Everyone was trying to be weirder than the next person. Yeah. Which kind of make everybody just this community of weird people, which was kind of like everyone's being the same. Right. But, <laughs> but you know, like when, uh, when goth kids at high school walk around and they go, I'm an individual, but there were six other people that look just like them. You know what I mean? Totally. Conforming, so, conforming nonconformist. Yeah. But, but that whole thing of like, don't, don't do what's been done. I mean, like I, I remember that from like the first memories I have is hearing those kind of things. And, and so we had this old, my dad played in like a band with his brother, like in the bars and stuff like that, like weekend warrior kind of thing. They call it like he, he was a dental technician, but on the weekend he'd be, he's out there trying to be Elvis, you know? And, um, the, uh, we had this old piano, but I mean, it was firewood. It was, it was junk. Mm Mm-hmm. Like it was like in your house. Yeah. Okay. In the garage. Okay. All right. And we'd always like on this street lived like six of the top 10 surfers in the world. Wow. It was like, so I, I thought I'm supposed to be a surfer. Cause like, and I, I surfed, but I suck at it, you know, mm-hmm. and there's sharks. It cold, <laughs> you know, the whole wetsuit thing doesn't look good on me. It's not a thing. <laughs> got it, got it, got I, it. I, I rhinestoned it. And then it was, then you can make it funny. But, uh, <laughs> But they were having a garage show, so we'd always leave like the garage open. Everyone would leave their garages open and have like couches on their porch. It was just one of those kind of things. Yeah. And um, we were having this garage sale. I was like, I think three years old. And I just remember like all the neighbors were coming and picking through our garbage. You know what I mean? I was just quite I'll pause. I was just questioning garage sales the other day because our community had a giant garage sale, right. like community garage sale. And I was like, why, why are you even charging people for that stuff? Like, wouldn't you just, why don't y'all just trade stuff? I don't understand like, it either. If, why are Some you going to charge it. somebody for something that you don't want in your house? Like, just give it to them. Yeah. Right? I don't want these anymore. Give me five bucks. Exactly. What? If you don't, I'm going to throw them out. Yes. It's weird. <laughs> it's super weird. Anyway, so but, back to the garage. But sale. we were doing that. And so they moved the, moved this piano out into the driveway mm-hmm. and no one wanted it because it was junk. But mm-hmm. they just wanted to get rid of this piano. It was like taking up space. Mm-hmm. And our garage was kind of set up like a little living room. You know what I mean? It was like... Like no cars are in the garage. It's like a place for an old piano that nobody wants to right. play. Right. And there was couches <laughs> and like our stereo system. You can go out there and blast the stereo, you know, and listen to all the music. Sounds like a music studio. Your garage Yeah, but no like... one recorded and it wasn't anything. It was just kind of like a listening hang. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But... um 
my brother, one, I have four brothers, and one of my older brothers came home from school, and with one finger, he starts playing Star Wars. Ding, 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 ding. And I recognized the song, because that was like the movie of... The time. The time. And he just kept playing it over and over. Someone at school just taught him those notes, and, you know, he was... 10 years older than me whatever and I'm like infatuated with that so I went over and I could play it mm-hmm. like with one finger and then I don't remember exactly what happened here but I just remember like well that's not exactly how it goes Whoa. it needs these chords and, and I don't know I've never touched that piano in my life and I just could play it and I was just all of a sudden playing the chords and stuff so my mom and dad go oh son, <laughs> son of a bitch and they roll it back into the garage <laughs> So then, then at this point, story. at this oh point, God. everyone just kind of standing around me, and that's for the rest of my life. That's been the uh, the thing is like you start playing, and people gather around. Right. People love music, but people, and more than music, people love watching people play music live. That that's will right. never die. I mean, you probably when you were young, you probably used to listen to a record, and you'd listen to it all the way through. How often do you sit and listen to a record all the way through now? Or maybe you, but yeah, I but like music. the average person. Yeah, it's in the car. It's through their iPhone speaker. Oh yeah, this is good. Thirty seconds, you know. Mm-hmm. There was a time where people would sit, but when you're watching someone play a violin, even if you're at Albertsons and some guys out there playing violin, it catches your attention for a minute. Yeah. There's something about watching, and if they're good, you're in. You're hooked. That's. I think live music will never die. So anyway, so I'm playing. People were gathering around me. I'm just like, okay, this is something that I possess. That no one in the family it literally is like a superpower it's a superpower it's and it wild. feels like that and it feels like that like it still does like if i sit at a piano if i go to a party a christmas party and someone's like there's a piano and someone's like hey frankie play a song once i sit it's like tractor beam totally there's nothing to do with me it's it's the Ooh. live element of music and if it could be anyone that plays it well but you're also like one talented motherfucker. So I would it's suffice the, it to say that like well, if you. somebody like sat down at a piano and sucked, I don't think people would just, because well, like hour, hours, like you could, you could, and you'd want to play for hours. You do play for hours. Yeah. You go way over your like set times. And yeah. that's why everyone, like no one leaves at your show. Nobody gets up to go home. I guess I'm, <laughs> I'm just lucky that I can do it well, but like there's other people who can do it well and if you can find someone who does it well it's super interesting you know what i mean mm-hmm. i i took it to a crazy level of obsession where once i realized uh, it's like learning you could fly mm-hmm. totally i'm not going to stop flying right you know like you want to get faster and better and where can i go now i want to go see the so appetite. you've always known that you were going to be a musician like there's I mean, not ever first thoughts first thoughts is there like anything could you ever see yourself doing anything else besides nope. playing music no i mean now as i'm as i'm aging <laughs> and uh you know i'm not that punk kid anymore who wants to bend the world in half you know i'm like i'm understanding stuff more like now now I'm like, well, I don't need to be the one on the stage. You know, I don't mind producing for other people or writing songs for the people. I don't mind all that. Like, as long as I'm making music. I wake up every morning, I have a cup of coffee, and I start writing music. And you have produced for other people. Can you, yeah. and, and I know this because I'm obsessed with country music. I was raised yeah. on it. But can you just say, like, some of the people that you've produced music for that... I mean, the list is so crazy long. I mean, from, from local people to big people. I mean, I was on tour with, like... Um, uh, Billy Currington, I was a musical director for a while. He's a good oh, friend of mine. Oh, we know. 
that um, curly hair. Oh yeah. I think uh, he doesn't have it anymore. Do he shave his? I feel like he I don't, cut I his hair. I haven't talked to him in over a year. I don't know. But there's the, obviously since I'm from Texas, people from back home listen to this. So like, if you spit out some country names, they'll know. I mean, I you know I was on the road with Sugarland. Uh, I played with Faith Hill in the early in her early career. Uh, Daryl Singletary. Uh, Clay Walker. I don't know. I'm thinking. I'm trying to think of all Didn't the country you, names. Didn't you? You and Diamond Rio. Diamond Rio had a song <laughs> of mine. Um, That's uh, just Ricochet. A band called Ricochet. Mm-hmm. I used to write stuff for. Um, uh, there was a there was a television show called or a television station called TNN. Mm-hmm. It was like MTV for country music. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it became CMT after that. But but then I, I mean but it's not just country I mean it was it was pop I did Air Supply and I you know done things with like Sting and uh, just a bunch no of stuff. No big deal. <laughs> Help me pick up those names they're heavy. Uh, but but it's just it's just all those things are just all those things all they did was it was it was like a community of people who all felt they have this superpower I feel like you know what I mean and when you all get together it's just it. It's just you have things to talk about. You you have things in common. You right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it's um, and of course there's different tiers of that, you know. And so like that was so you're three years old. Your parents are like looking at you and they're like, okay, we're keeping the piano mm-hmm. and we're and they just did they like nourish that skill of yours? Like did they I put think, you in classes next? Like, no, I how think did you... they were timid with it because my dad played some guitar. Like he liked to play in a band. He was not like, um, he didn't take it to the level I took it to, but he played guitar, right? And he played in bands and stuff. And uh, I don't think it was like, oh, I don't know. Maybe it was his dream or passion, but I don't think he had the work ethic towards that to make it a bigger it was like deal. A, it was a hobby for him. It was a hobby. Yeah. Maybe maybe he wanted more out of it, which he probably did, but but he also had other things like and I think that was a good lesson for me too is watching that you can't have other things. There can't be safety nets, there can't be a side gig. Mm-hmm. You can't be a uh you know, a real estate agent and a rock star on the side. Totally. It's like you put all of your eggs in that basket immediately. Clark Kent is always Superman. He's just pretending not to be Superman. Right. And there was no pretending for you. He's not going in like, I'm now Clark Kent, I got to do my job. It's just has cover to live through the day. And that's how kind of I felt like, not to compare myself to Superman, but like. Well, I get it. If you're saying it's like a superpower. Yeah, it's like everything else that didn't involve going to school and sitting in class was like me acting like I was a normal thought person. Right. I had no normal thoughts and nothing made sense to me. When they put math in front of me, I don't understand it. When you have a conversation with me about like. The weather, I'm just like, mm-hmm. but if you want to talk music or, or have you heard this song? I'm like, into it. And into now it. they now they have like performing arts high schools, yeah, which is really cool. So we didn't have that when I was a kid. So all my parents said I think they were timid of not making it a uh, a chore. Mm-hmm. Got to practice, right? That's bad. They weren't like militant about it. Not at all. They they it was it became. They couldn't pull me away from this thing, first of all. Mm-hmm. So it became, if you don't eat all your dinner, you cannot touch the piano tonight. Wow. And it, but but I, but it, that's not the lesson I guess you could teach all kids because the kids have to be obsessed with but it. it. Right, because it was a reward for you. If they're obsessed, take it away, and that's the reward. And so getting to play, it was like having a baseball bat or a soccer ball or a yo-yo. It was like, I get to touch the piano. You know what I mean? It's weird that like the nature versus nurture, it sounds like it was like both. 
and yours. Yeah. Like your your parent, your dad was a musician, and they were like encouraging of that. And then also this community that you grew up with. It's like with like misfits and people who are like creative and right. and into arts. I mean, I attribute everything I have to that scenario. You know what I mean? I mean, I, obviously, I've put a lot of my own personal time in. Like, I wake up every day and no one's by my side telling me go, Frankie, or work, or I wake up and I do it because I want to do it. But but I was surrounded by, and of course, you are also surrounded by people that go like you know uh, schoolmates that think it's lame what i'm doing or they don't like the kind of music i'm playing or wonder what they're up to these days <laughs> exactly i i wonder what that is like what you're talking about that no one's like making you do it you just do it because i feel like i'm i'm that way too like no one's making me be disciplined i just right. am i just think I just so, am. it's just it's just your wiring you know people <laughs> i don't think that's something you can uh that, that comes that all falls under the you know you have your your skill set you can learn a skill set you have your um, work ethic. You can actually work on that and make that better. You know, some people. You know, some people just naturally do it, and some people suck at that. But you can work on it. But passion, you can't. You can't say, "Hey, what we need? We need to work on your passion." Totally. You either have it or you don't. Some people develop it when they're twenty. Some people develop it when they're two. Some people never ever get it. They never get a passion for something, and that's really sad. Like I, I wonder why. But it's that not sad is. for them if they don't have it because they don't know the difference. Yeah. It would be sad if you have it and then you lost it. I would feel like that would be like living a, a purposeless life. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, everyone, everyone's got their thing, right? I mean, for me, all I know is this. And if I somehow was erased of the passion. Like, if, if the garage sale never happened and your I've brother never, if Star Wars was never created. <laughs> That's like saying if, <laughs> if Babe Ruth didn't go out and find a baseball bat this day, he'd find it it's another like day. It's like multiple universes. You would have like, something else would have happened. So one way or another, I would have done music. I, I think I'm supposed to make music. And uh, no, I mean, I, I think music is what I'm supposed to do. And if you can find what you're supposed to do, kick ass at it. Mm -hmm. Don't kind of just do it kick ass just like with you if you're gonna like hey this one to do invest all your money into it invest all your time into it surround yourself with people who get what you're trying to do it's yeah i mean that's really what like the podcast people are like just start just do it and i'm like no like i'm gonna remodel an entire room <laughs> and then i'm gonna because this is gonna make me take it seriously right all if right. i just like was in my closet with a microphone Different. how often would i really go into my closet with a microphone probably never how am i going to interview people and like right. that's the reason why i started this because i feel like i know lots of really cool people yeah. and they have really cool stories and people don't get a chance to to right. hear them and i get that opportunity because i'm a publicist and i right. get to my job is to you know um, tell people's stories better than they can sometimes. Right, right, and right. so, yeah, that's really why I did it. I'm like, I'm not going to just do it. I'm going to build an entire if you're room. Gonna, if you're going to do it, do it. <laughs> do it. All in. First step, do it. <laughs> yeah. Second step, put everything into it. So what would you tell uh, like new musician? <laughs> don't get involved in this business. <laughs> I mean, there's no more money. It's if a dead business. If you're going to do it, do it, but also don't ever no, do it. No, it's a dead business. So, I mean, I, okay. Uh, for me, so this number, back to that number one thing. Mm hmm we had a couple, right? And then the goal was like, oh my gosh, we got like a, a number nine and a number six. Like we're in the top 10. We've hit the top 10. I've had a couple number one Billboard albums prior to that. So we, I've, a, I've had uh, my taste of selling a lot of records. Like yep. we all of a sudden, like all of a sudden, we used to play bars. I put, I've done this my whole life. Like from that three-year-old thing, it was then getting lessons, then 
playing school talent shows then you know i mean i mean it's a it's a life mm-hmm. until one day like you're selling m- multiple records like you know what i mean it, it, was there like one moment or song when that happened when like you're like oh my god people I, are I, really loving this i did uh i was on tour with air supply so i was doing big things we were in you know playing arenas in asia at that point mm-hmm. um but i was the piano player and musical director i was writing songs for them wrote them an album and i was um touring with them but i wasn't like it wasn't you know my name wasn't the name it was mm-hmm. air supply mm-hmm. and i knew ultimately i want to do my thing but i'm like i looked at everything i did for a reason to get what i ultimately want like this is it's all college courses for me right right mm-hmm. this air supply thing wasn't like oh I'm gonna, like no i'm gonna i'm gonna take all this in. i'm gonna ask the guys questions what did you do to get here how did you get here how do you maintain this what do you do when people do that i was probably did they most, like love it or were they, they annoying it. okay because people love to talk about their successes and themselves to people with drive right right yeah especially <laughs> both of those things are right. true right and, and you find when someone's super great at music when you get the real like the paul mccartney's and the stings and stuff like that they're not narcissists trying to talk about themselves. They're, they're trying to help other people get it too. Cause it's like, this feels so good. You should feel this. Yeah. It's the lower level tier of people that have to tell you all the shit that they're good at. That's right. That's right. There Don't is be a difference. Surrounded by that. Yeah. There is a difference, I guess. Like people that just want to talk about themselves, you know, t- they could be doing it to a brick wall. It doesn't matter. They just want anyone to listen yeah. rather than like people who are trying to create the next generation of musicians. Right. Right. And I think, I think one thing that I'm, I'm fortunate in is I never, I've always been obsessed with it and I've always been good at it, mm-hmm. but I also work really hard. So I know the, I know the, uh, it's kind of like, you know, if you buy a car, with your own money, you appreciate that car. And yes, you could be proud of that car, but you appreciate it. If someone just goes, Hey, here's a, here's all the things it's, it's hard when you're a young kid to appreciate them because it's like, Oh, well, who cares? Got mm-hmm. it for free. Right. What did you, what did you do with your kids when they started driving? I hate that they drive <laughs> only, only one of them has a license so far. Well, see, that's what I was just thinking of. Cause when you said that, I think one of the most valuable lessons I have with my dad was cause like, you know, I grew up in Cypress, Texas, but there was a lot of wealth in that mm-hmm. community and people were giving their kids, you know, their old Mercedes, but it was like a four year old Mercedes and that's their very first car. Okay. So back to that first piano I played on, uh-huh. that's still in my house. Is it? Mm-hmm. That's cool. And, and the first I have, tons of like grand pianos now and the most expensive cool things right all in storage up on their back i have one grand piano in my house that is the first one i bought because that was like the big goal buy a grand piano. i'm gonna one day i'm gonna buy a nice grand piano yeah that's in my house mm-hmm. right alongside the piece of shit piano right they because both... it all reminds me of what the point is so that's important with my kids like sure i can give my kids like oh they want to take piano lessons here play this baby grand piano this beautiful yamaha totally and then they have no passion for it, you know, they you, have to learn. Exactly. And that's what my dad did. I didn't realize what he was doing in my head. I'm like, mm. you're wealthy. I don't know why you just don't buy me a car. And like, yeah. that's the point. I would have probably not been the person I am if exactly. he wouldn't have done this. And he was still like, here's $2,500, which like, I was like, what a brat, you know, like some kids don't have that access, <laughs> right. even a $2,500. So I bought this like, you know, piece of crap car. And then, you know, from there, I like knew that if I wanted to have a not piece of crap car, right. I needed to work really hard. And right. so I've worked since I was 16 years old. And that all falls under the umbrella of anything that's worth 
anything having. is hard to get. That's right. Mm-hmm. If, if it's, if it's easy, it's not worth a shit. Like, like there's nothing, what I'm doing and trying to release all this music regularly, weekly uh, is not easy. Even for me, it's not easy. I am completely engulfed. I'm completely using all my time. I'm devoting, uh, instead of doing anything else with my life that I could do whatever I want to do, I'm completely focused and engulfed to do something for a bigger picture that I could sit back later and go, I achieved something. That's interesting because like the talent part comes easy. But it's like that's, all the other, it's that's the in drive. The stars. I mean, that's exactly. in the stars. Yeah. Uh, the, the finding I had it and finding what it can do made my work ethic kick in. I mean, since I was, since I was that three-year-old kid, I mean, I, it was like more, 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 more. And I wanted to take lessons. I, I asked my parents, you want to take lessons? They always go like this. If you don't want to do it, cause they didn't really have any money, you mm-hmm. know, They're like, if you don't want to do it, just tell us and we'll stop. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to do it. You better practice. But they were never on me. Go practice your piano. I never wanted to practice my lesson. My lesson was stupid. It was learning songs I hated. Mm-hmm. But I knew I started hitting like walls and I did not want walls. What do you mean? What kind of walls? Like, I guess when I first started taking lessons, I was totally cheating because my ear, I kind of have like a photographic memory with that. Like I could hear a whole Mozart piano concerto at seven years old one time through and play it almost perfectly that is insane i can't really do that as much anymore like that that little skill has kind of gone away i can still hear if you play me any current three and a half minute song i've seen you do it yeah any uh, (laughs) i'm like oh you've heard the song you're like oh like once or twice not only could i hear it but i could go home and an hour later record it with every play every instrument and make it sound exactly like that record if uh, there's no reason to do that but that's just a skill set works right it's a weird skill set and whatever but i think um they would they would do stuff like they put me in lessons and i would sit there and i the piano teacher would open up the book and the goal was to read music which i did not know how to do right and you just pretend well, you're no, like I looking would, at the I book would, i would look at it and go like because mm, <laughs> i didn't understand i could i could play anything i want on the piano i play Mozart on the piano but i couldn't read the notes right so you have to start with like the you know you are my son all this stupid stuff like, i can play you know i can play it. Why do I have and to? see yeah. you know <laughs> but but so i would have at the end of the class i'd have the teacher say something like or i'd have the teacher go like hey can you just play for me one time just so i can hear it and i'll just close my eyes while she played it and it's in there. That's wild. So then I wouldn't have to practice that song once. And the <laughs> next week, I would, because I hated the song anyway. The next week I would go in and I would just play it. But I would purposely like pretend I'm looking down the sheets. Yeah, I'm just staring into space. She goes, perfect, Great Frankie. job. <laughs> Let's start with the next thing. Well, as the class has increased, you have to turn pages and stuff like that. I don't know where I am in this oh thing. Oh, my God. So she would... She caught, on, little she caught nun. on to your bullshit. <laughs> I had this old... She was like 80-year-old nun. I went to a Catholic school when I was a kid. And it's just still... You That's know, why you're so messed up. <laughs> I'm, exactly. I'm super old. And uh, so back then in those days, they would still do that thing with the ruler and hit your hands. You know what I mean? So I'm playing and she's like, perfect, perfect. And then I'd be playing and she's looking because I didn't turn the page. And she'd smack my hands... Why? And then I realized, like, I really don't know what I'm doing. So I'm, who am I cheating here? Am I cheating this little 80 year old nun, or am I just cheating my own self? It's a pretty mature thought to have. But it was. I'm not saying I was a mature kid because I wasn't. But when it came to the music, I, I I knew exactly where I wanted to be. And I also started reading biographies on 
Mozart. I mean, I, every book report was on Mozart, Beethoven, Elvis, the bands that Garth Brooks. I mean, like, and I start reading these things and finding out all the things you can't do the same thing and, and be successful, but there's definitely things that you shouldn't do, you know, that, that ruin your career. Like chopping your ear uh, off? Uh, like that. <laughs> or just the, you know, the pills are bad. <laughs> yeah. Kids. The 27 Club. It's real. Yeah. So I started making all these deals with myself. Like I'm not going to drink alcohol. I didn't drink alcohol. I was like 25 years old. Like I, no I way. didn't touch anything. Don't smoke cigarettes. Don't, don't do nothing. It was like the whole thing was like, I want complete focus on my music. Now I'm now, a lush. Yeah. You've like had crown Royal sponsor your shows and yeah. but <laughs> literally everyone in the audience is like shooting shots of crown, which like, Oh my God. But I'm not trying to prove anything anymore <laughs> yeah, <laughs> except like, that I can still sing when I'm drunk. That was, that was a while ago. That was probably 10 years ago. No, I still do that. But, um, <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know. I think it's just, I, you know, when you're talking about young people coming up, what would you do? The path is, and getting back to those number ones, like once we had a couple, okay, let me see how many I can get. Let's see if we can get 10. Got 10. Hmm. Why stop? It's like you're in competition with yourself. Right. Then when we started hitting in the crazy numbers, like 20 and stuff, we're like, we, we passed Elvis. We passed the Beatles. That's so crazy. Uh, we started getting in the 30s. We're like, man, we're passing like Mariah Carey and shit now. Like we start doing this and then all of a sudden and i'm still an unknown entity compared to those people i have no radio play mm -hmm. i have no pr and i have no record label mm -hmm. that's almost impossible that is so i would never recommend that to anybody it's almost possible. and this week's a reggae song this week's a country song this weekend's a rock song uh i've been on the latin charts i've been on the classical charts and then and then when we hit in like the 40s i think it was we're like okay who has the most and it was George Strait had 60. You beat so George Strait. So the goal was, and I grew up on George Strait. Yeah. The goal was like, let's just, let's just beat get George. 61. Let's just get 61. So then we get 61. And then when you start thinking, well, if he releases another song, he's going to definitely get another hit. Oh my Most God. likely. Let's get like 65 just to, the only person that could beat me now is George Strait. That's insane. Because the next one in line is Madonna with 50. So we're like, okay, well, let's get like 65. And then once you get 65, we're like, that's a weird number. Let's get 70. And then it's just like, now it's like, I'm going to get 100. And then once we get 100, I'm not going to release through these platforms ever again. Really? I'm only going to make records and sell them to the fans who want, to, who want my music one-on-one. -on -one. Because I'm sending all my people to iTunes and stuff like that. They're not sending me their people. Right. So once I've done that and I've won iTunes, then it'll be... Those of you who have been supporting my music and like my music, you can get my music. Not through iTunes, through our own uh, way of doing it. Yeah. That's Digitals cool. You're just like well. making your own rules. I mean, at this point, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think I always wanted to do that. But like when you're young, you got everybody telling you what to do. And you, you usually second guess yourself when you're young. But I would tell anybody, don't second guess yourself. Come up with a plan. The whole thing's a gamble. Mm -hmm. If you, if you really want to put your money on black 22 and everyone around you saying, don't do it and you don't, and then it hits, that's you, the worst feeling. Yeah. Totally. But if you do it and it doesn't hit, it's like, well, my bad. I lost my money. I made that choice. Mm -hmm. But when you're doing what someone else tells you to do, that's the worst. And that's why I left the record labels. They were saying, do this. And I, the first song I recorded for Warner brothers was a song called bite me. That doesn't sound like anything. They thought it was the biggest hit in the world. 
two of the biggest producers of the day in Nashville were doing it. I'm not going to even say their names, but I was recording the song. I was like, come on, love bug, bite me. Oh, I'm like, oh, God. Okay. <laughs> it's, it, that would be my achy, breaky heart. If it's successful, I got to sing bite me all the time. Over and over. Have you heard Oasis say that? That Wonderwall? Right, exactly. They, they can't stand it because right. they have to play it all the time. Exactly. But and that I makes did a lot not more want sense. That. And oh. I never wanted a hit for that reason because the hit means you have to play the hit. And I always loved, I'm going to go back to the Elvis thing again here. Mm-hmm. Elvis Presley comes out with Heartbreak Hotel. Huge number one record in the country, right? Mm-hmm. He goes on TV, like what Bruno Mars would, Uptown Funk is out. He goes on Saturday Night Live, he does Uptown Funk. He goes on Jimmy Fallon, does Uptown Funk. He goes on Colbert, does Uptown Funk. Ellen, Uptown Funk. Elvis had Heartbreak Hotel. He goes on and he sings a Little Richard song. <laughs> I thought that was the most badass power move. He's like, you already know why I'm here. I'm going to give you something totally I'm not totally here to t- sell you a song. I'm here to sell you Elvis. Right. Yeah. I love that concept and no one follows that concept anymore. Prince did. Prince mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. Prince is like, you're all coming on show. I ain't playing any of those. I am not playing Little Red Corvette. I'm playing the new one I wrote. Most people don't want that. But if you're a fan of that person, you become a fan. So it was really important for me to build to my whole career uh, different genres of music where you do not. Can you even name me? Well, I was going to ask you if you have, I mean, yes, I can, but do you have a genre of music that like you would describe for yourself? They started putting me a lot in blues and jazz, which is super weird because I use horns. That's not country. So I'm not, I'm not in country, but you also have a harmonica. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's blues music. I guess it's blues based, but I would call it rock and roll, but there's not a, yeah. there's not a genre for rock and roll anymore. There's mm-hmm. rock and that's Foo Fighters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not Foo Fighters. Right. So I'm not, uh, there isn't a genre for what I play. Hmm. So the closest thing is jazz from the instrumentation I use and blues. And I'm not really, you wouldn't call me a jazz musician. I'm a, I'm a rock and roll singer, you know, but I'm not singing someone else's old rock and roll songs. I'm singing new songs that sound like rock and roll. So that just goes under blues. And when we started going under blues, it was kind of like, I guess I would, I guess I would call the music blues, but it's certainly written with country lyric, mm-hmm. like a story. Yeah. And uh, funk rhythm section. That's why I don't understand, by the way, when people say that they like everything except for country. I'm like, do you not like stories? Country's, country music, <laughs> country music is the basis of all our Western music. I don't mean country Western. I mean Western hemisphere. Yeah. Country music is the basis of that. And that all originally stemmed from classical and everything, which morphed into that. But there isn't a music you can play that doesn't have a country uh, backbone to it. Say it now, louder for the people now, in the back. Yeah, I mean, now if you don't like, I mean, there's there's country music I love and country music I don't love. I don't, I don't like lyrically hearing people talk about uh, tractors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's me because I don't understand that. Right. Like if they were talking, like like I would, if they were talking about surfboards and cool cars and living on the beach. I get it. I, pro- I guess that's, it's like what you relate to. Yeah. If you grew up in Texas and there's tractors around, like you hear that and you go, Oh yeah, I, 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 was talking I about. still don't like that. I mean, nineties country. I don't feel like they do that very much. They talk about like love and getting your heart broken and no, nothing better than talking about love or heartbreak. Cause totally. we all can relate to that. Yep. That's and, right. and if you've never even experienced love, that's heartbreaking and you can relate to that. Yeah. Or you want the love. It's all love and heartbreak. <laughs> mm-hmm. No one wants to hear about it. 
how sexy your tractor is. So, <laughs> speaking of tractors, how did you, you went to Nashville mm-hmm. and that's how you, was that like, how old were you when that 18. happened? 18. And you were, I was did you either going to go to Juilliard or Nashville. What? <laughs> and I figured, well, if I go to Juilliard, what's the point? I'm going to learn more music to eventually one day get a record label. Mm-hmm. And Nashville at that time, Garth was, I mean, this was 95. When he was like playing the bars there? No, when he was like the he was biggest huge. star in the world. Yeah. And country music was the biggest genre in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I moved to Nashville. I'm like, well, I'll go try this. And I started writing first for a publishing company. So I was writing songs for other people. Mm-hmm. And I was doing that for like a year or two. Do you like doing that? Like with other people? Really? So- I just like writing songs and hearing the song sung. Because I, the point to me, I, I love lyrics and melody, you know? And like to hear... I wouldn't even call myself. I mean, I play all the instruments and I perform. I'm not a musician. I'm not an entertainer. I'm a songwriter. And all those things are just the tools to show you my song. So here's a, here's a tricky question and you have to answer. Do you prefer to hear someone else singing your song or do you prefer to see like an audience full of people singing the words to your song while you're singing? Audience of people. Yeah. When I'm singing I've certain always songs, wondered what that's like. I'm like, oh my God, that's gotta be so fucking cool. There's nothing <laughs> when 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 you when you're singing a song and you just stop and the audience starts singing it to you, that is like I don't know what the word is, uh I feel elated, I guess the word would be. Yeah. Like you talk about that superpower, right? So you're giving them a superpower. But but not on stage, again. The superpower relies on the ability, right? But then performing for you, that's not about me, look at me. And any artist that does that sucks. Mm-hmm. You're not going to relate to right an reason. artist that's trying to show you what they can do. Nobody wants to watch someone demonstrate what they You don't even want to watch that famous soccer player demonstrate what he can do. You want to see him win the game for the team. Mm-hmm. And then you, then you praise him. Right. So you get your praise in the end. You get your flowers. Yep. But the goal is we're all in a room together not to make you go, wow, he's really good. Mm-hmm. It's to make you go like, damn, I had a great time. I had a great time, but also because I just went back home for rodeo like I always do. And when we saw Chris Stapleton mm-hmm. and the whole audience, and he did the thing where he got quiet and let the audience kind of take over. And to me, it's like, damn, all of these people like listened to this song so many times Mm -hmm. that they were able to memorize and it's like the community or like you know that this song impacted everyone in some sort of way Mm -hmm. and everyone's like collectively all together and it's like that's got to be so cool the magic part of it is everyone has a different reason that it impacts them right you know what i mean that's why i hate like i do things where we'll do like cd release parties and i'll talk about why i wrote the songs and stuff but i don't really like telling people why I wrote the song. That's annoying. It's true though. Like <laughs> I write it and like there, I've written, there's this one particular song. I was sitting at the lake one day uh, and this weird fish comes up, right? Mm-hmm. And I could see it under the water. And it's like, I had this weird moment. With, I wasn't like, I wasn't on anything or anything <laughs> like that. But like this fish was just like, looking at me. I'm looking at him going like, there's like this layer of water and this creature that lives under the water. And I'm having this moment, right? I'm looking at this fish <laughs> and I went home and I wrote a song about that. And I called it the window. Like there's this window and I can look at you and you can look through me, but we can't actually communicate with each other. Yeah. I know that sounds trippy. I like to hear that though. It's like going to a museum and like you're looking in a painting and people are like, what do you see? And you're like, them. Right. But when someone relates that song to like, that reminds me of my grandmother that passed away and the window is the clouds in heaven and they're in heaven. And I go, no, no, no. It's about a fish. (laughs) 
You're right. They're, they're You're like, right. Wah, wah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like sometimes people's own interpretation is more powerful than right. Right. And what's magical when you're talking about Chris Stapleton's crowd singing that? What's magical is they all. You're not just watching. I'm not singing the song and then you sing it back to me. What I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. You have your own thoughts of that song. Totally. They That's have right. their own thought. They have their own thought. And you're watching all these different things. They, they have, you, you obviously felt strong enough to learn the lyric. Right. Because most people don't know how to put their stuff into words. Just their daily shit. How do you put that into words? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's a craft. Yeah. That's a craft to be a writer. I'm a writer, you know? And so I can put, like, I can take your feelings if you tell me them, and I can put them into a cool way of saying it. Then there's the art of the rhyme scheme and the meter and the catchiness mm-hmm. of what what's, you know, mm-hmm. like Glenn Lerner's phone number. You know what I mean? Like, there's some way where you you, you make things where you just, like, you remember it, right? Mm-hmm. 867-500. I'm upset. <laughs> That's going to be my head the rest of the day. But, but, but when you're watching all these people sing and you stop, it's like, well, this is not even about me and my feeling towards the song anymore. This is watching this creation is now touching other people. And that's magic. Because like a lot of people ask me, oh, how do you write a song? I know the art of writing a song. I'm not going to lie. I know it well. Mm-hmm. I know it very well. I've written thousands and thousands. I've published thousands of songs. I know how to write a song. I know how to craft it. I know how to write a pretty good song. I mean, I, I know how to write a song in the sense of just like when you're doing your job, you know what's going to do a good job for someone. Well, you know what I just, I, right? When you, I'm thinking of a like TikTok you can create or like a, or like a Instagram reel. You know how, don't you put things in your like voice notes when mm-hmm. you first record a song? Okay. You should like play that just like the voice recording and then flash to like an entire crowd singing the song. I'd probably cry. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. totally. I'd probably cry in like te- the 10 seconds it would make. Yeah, totally. You know? Totally. We used to actually, that's what our whole show at the Stratosphere used to be. It used to be us writing the song. Like we'd video ourselves writing it. Like here we are at the Eiffel Tower and we're writing this song, like coming up with it on the spot. And then boom, we, the lights would come on and we come into the second half of the song. We used so to, that was our whole method at that. No, that stuff's awesome. And, but the thing is like when I'm coming up with a song idea, I'm not sitting down going like, I'm going to create a song. I'm sitting down and I'm opening up to allow myself to find the songs that already exist. Have you ever been blocked from doing that? Like a writer's block? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I what'd went like do? four years. What'd you do? Just I didn't write songs. You just but let I don't it think be. it was, I didn't even try. I wasn't trying to write songs. We were, we, at that point we were working so much. We were doing five nights a week at, you know, headlining the stratosphere and all that. And the last thing I want to do is go home and, you know, yeah. sleeping in late and up all night and, you know, doing that thing. So like, that's why COVID was, a. Uh, in 2018, I started making records again. We did a show at the Smith center where we thought we're going to write uh, a new talk about Mozart stuff. Like they would, he, Mozart would write things for parties. Mm-hmm. They weren't meant to last 300 years. It's like, this is for this guy's dinner party. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and, and that's all it is. It's just to, for this guy's, this rich guy's party. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, what if we went to the Smith center and every time we play and we do our 12 song set or whatever, it's songs just for that night. We only play them that night. And I thought that'd be badass, Right. So the first, the first show was a month later. It was every week we did that. Mm-hmm. And the first show was a month later. So we wrote the first show in that month. Easy. That's crazy. Second show was hard because we had a week. Yeah. What do you do if you can't? And it was very hard. It's like very challenging. <laughs> I would never do it again. But we wrote a hundred <laughs> songs over the course of this thing. And then that's when we started like, now we have all these songs. 
let's start making records again. We started making records. And then when COVID hit, then I was just like deep, deep, deep in it. So I have not stopped because I also know there will be a time where I can't think of a song. I don't think it's me not thinking of a song. I won't be able to find the birds are a song. Mm -hmm. The wind is a song. Mm -hmm. Your dog snoring is a song. (laughs) And you find it and you go, what what can I take out of that? And then you find a story that someone told you like, oh, my boyfriend left me, whatever. Put that with that. and Right? Yeah. It's not me creating a thing i mean when you're doing pr for someone you're not you're not making their business good you're finding out how to exploit the best aspects of it to make right. other people understand it it's like there's a formula for it but what makes somebody exceptional at it is kind of being able to tell a story better in the formula right. all you're trying to do is explain something to someone that might not have seen that like when you see a a picture and you go hey but look at that on the corner and you oh cool you find you know what i mean right the story, a love song or a sad song is not something you haven't heard before, but maybe there's something in there that you instantly put into your own life. And that's, that's the hard part of songwriting. That's when I hear most terrible songs, 60,000 songs are released every single day. Damn. It's a crazy metric. Crazy. 60,000 60, songs. 60,000 songs go up on iTunes every single day. <laughs> there's only top 200. So to hit those is... It's almost impossible. Right. Yeah. The, the, the odds are so against you. Right. And you're going up against the ones who just have all the, the, the machine behind them of Taylor Swift. Just she's going to win. But so that's what you mean. You've done that 81 times. Mm-hmm. That is. Or maybe 80. Crazy. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Oh, whatever. Let's just call it 81. I think it's. I think it's. By the time this comes out, you'll probably be at 81. Yeah. I think it's. I'm like, but but it's 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 finding it's finding ways. And then when you're writing it, like first I have to write. I, I hear something like I literally go out and I listen to the birds in the morning mm-hmm. and I drink my coffee and then I come in and I have a wall full of guitars and I grab down a guitar that speaks to me for some reason, mm-hmm. some tractor pull, right? And I try to create what I just thought I kind of heard, even though it's not really because they're just going, you know, but mm-hmm. try to create what I kind of heard and find a story that matches that music. You do that every morning? Every single day. That's crazy. Sometimes five a day i mean but there will never be a day that i don't write a song I, I don't complete a song and sometimes the songs i know are bad i'm in a i'm in a hurry i got stuff to do like today i was started writing a song and i'm like i can't finish it but let, let me just finish it blah blah blah, blah i blah, gotta blah, get blah, ready blah, for this podcast i just probably ruined your next year 81 <laughs> ruined number 81 <laughs> or maybe number 82 we don't know we don't know <laughs> but then but then it goes then it goes in a drawer that i can always pick back from later but but the you know the the goal is making you so I'll write it very specifically like I lost Susie because she said goodbye at the Denny's that's personal to me right mm-hmm. but then you hear that and you're like well, I didn't lose a Susie I don't go to Denny's mm-hmm. so Susie becomes a baby right right and Denny's becomes the diner once I tried to count how many songs there were that used the female name Mary there's oh, really? a lot is there <laughs> yeah like over 10 wow yeah anyway yeah i mean i mean there's obviously specific songs that people just like for the reason like hearing someone tell a story about their life Mm -hmm. but like there's certain songs that you just want to like i just recently wrote a song called the toast i played that for you yeah and uh it went number one oh my god that's so sad i I cry every verse i feel like i cry every time i hear that song i wrote it and it's like way too many verses it's like too long it's five minutes long it's like not commercial but i'm like well i'm not getting played on the radio anyway i'm just gonna write a bunch of verses that and at least one of these verses you're gonna 
zoom in on. And when you do, you will like that song waiting for that moment. And maybe there's all the verses you relate to. Mm-hmm. But there's like a, there's a thing about talking about your pets and how like losing your pets. And here's a toast to them, all the pets we have. And then here's a toast to like the, the people we've lost. And here's a toast to children. Well, maybe you go like, well, I don't have pets or I don't have children. Like mm-hmm. you don't relate to those, but there's something in there. So you have to find a way to manipulate songs. And it's like again, the, th- the third verse. What is the Garth Brooks song? Friends in, low, friends in low places this is the fourth verse what is it oh the friends in low yeah. places where he like uh, cusses and everybody always wants to hear that right. other verse exactly so you have like more verses from that song that you didn't oh my god well every song starts out like it's like it's like a chiseling a stone into a a david or something right like it's like you have to chisel what did michelangelo say like he didn't make that stone he just kept getting rid of the stuff that wasn't david hmm he just chisels off what's not David. Yeah. And that's what you do with a song. You just take it and you you get rid of everything that hasn't... It's kind of like when you're making a brainstorm. They teach you in, like, in school, like, what's the topic? The topic's going to be podcasts. Put podcasts. Put a circle around it. Then you put a thing on. Okay, we need microphones. We need a sign. We need headphones. Mm-hmm. We need guests. We need to talk about this. We need to talk about this. We need airtime. We need viewers. If it doesn't follow that, it doesn't belong on that page. Right. And yeah. same thing with a song. And, and I think people... Again, there's those tears where someone will just write a song to show you I can sing good and I can write a song. No one gives a shit. They want to hear something that's about them. Right. That's true. And that, that was a big lesson for me learning. And I think when COVID happened, realizing that people, I have this song called Good Old Days. I love that And one. like, I will watch an entire crowd at a... I think that's my favorite song you've ever written. It's, it's mine too. Really, mm-hmm. I love that. That's it. Just, our... it just, it just, it's also perfect now because we didn't write it about the pandemic and lockdown. But after that has happened, mm-hmm. that song is so meaningful to me now. Totally. Like, remember when things were just different? Like, everyone's, everyone's different now. I mean, whatever happened in that lockdown, everyone's uh, lazier now and and um, harder to get in touch with and just in their own zones. It, it's done that to people, mm-hmm. and that's going to take a long time to break. And the new generation is so iPhone heavy or whatever, you know, it's so heavy. So there's, there's like a focus. So you just start talking about, remember like we used to sit down and like, you know, I think there should be a different name for like, you know, everyone's like millennials or like Gen Z, whatever. But like, we both came from, we know what it's like to when phones were connected to cords Mm -hmm. and that's not when we had to like record, you know, songs from the radio and a microphone and then record it onto a cassette tape right. and like and call in and request it if you want to hear it and so we know what it's like to go through life without your phone attached to your hand and i feel bad for this generation right. that doesn't know what it's like to not be connected like i love that i can have this phone in my pocket and i love the thing but i also remember the times when like when you used to leave the house like hey go get some milk at the store mm-hmm. and you leave oh we need butter too too late there's no way to reach me till I get home. Right. Or you go home and you check your messages and you gotta call people, but like while you're out, you're out. Now we're doing business in the car, we're doing business at to dinner with friends. Yep. And whether it's business or just socializing, you're so if you're socializing with someone else, well, if I'm at dinner with you and I'm talking to someone else. It really make, makes me mad when people do that. That's no no worse than pulling up a magazine and just holding it in front of you. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. But but your community, there's someone else that I'd rather be speaking to than speaking to you at right. that moment, right? Absolutely. And and it's always like I'm doing business, I'm doing business. But, like, but when do you shut that off? Right. Like even with me, I'm always working on music, but it, 
not the business part, not the selling of the songs and the packaging of the songs and the setting up performances. I'm just thinking about the creative funness. And I'm looking everywhere we go for stuff. Well, I walk in this room, I'm looking around, going like, what can I write about in here? Like, I mean, it's just everything, right? Like, everything but is. But you're probably not trying. It's just your no, brain just, is I'm like just finding things that. that, right? I'm conditioned to that. But having grown up in an era where we grew up where you can, half of our life was that and the other half is this. That's kind of interesting. But if you didn't know that life and you only know, you no. know, a podcast would be a great thing for the upcoming generations to do because at least they have to talk to you. We haven't looked at our phones this whole time. This is why it's funny because people used to just only be able to listen to the radio. That's all there was. Mm -hmm. And now people are going back to that because that's what I'm doing. Like in the morning, if I'm getting ready, if I'm in the car, I want to be learning new things. I want to be listening to interesting conversations. Right. I'm listening to conversations on podcasts happening. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah we haven't looked at our phones the entire time. Yeah, and it's, it's amazing. Two, last week, my phone got stolen. It was like the most wild, like, we don't know who it was, how it happened. It was, my phone was like five feet away from me. Don't know how it happened. Phone gets swiped. And surprisingly, like, I did not have a meltdown. Right. But I like knew I needed to get it replaced. And it was like a 48 hour turnaround. So I didn't have a phone. But like, I fucking loved it. <laughs> I felt so free and right. it was just like great to not be you know i mean everything's connected to my laptop right. so it's not like work so stops, none of my but. stuff is connected so my phone's my phone my phone numbers like you know so like i lost my phone not long ago and i remember i went to like um caesar's palace or something to i don't know i was doing something and i didn't have my phone mm -hmm. and i'm walking around that mall just because I like, I love the them all. forum shops? I just love them I've all. I've seen you at the mall. I love them all. I just love, I'll walk around the mall and not buy anything just because I like the air conditioner and the <laughs> hearing the people, the, the, the ideas that I could buy It is weird when you walk past. I, I was love just talking it. to someone about this and you just accidentally eavesdrop and you hear some weird part of a conversation. You're like, God, we're so small. Like everyone just has their own little problems. Everyone is <laughs> dwelling on something that means zero. Totally. Oh my God. And that's why I constantly, like every month or two, I try to go out to Hawaii for like a few days. Mm -hmm. Because. Are you just going to buy a place there? You just need to buy a place. Okay. But because I'm so uh, hyper-focused on working every day, right? And Hawaii, I'll go and I'll do nothing. I don't bring my phone down to the pool or the ocean. I don't do anything. I like totally, totally recharge the battery. And I love it. But looking at the ocean, it just reminds you like, I'm a dot right now that's here for a time being. And I get that time. And like, what am I going to do in that time? And what does it even matter what I do really? Mm -hmm. What does it even matter what I do to uh, 300 years from now? But then I have to, I have to think back at like, Mozart or Shakespeare, things like that. You think back and go, well, some people did something important. Right. And if you can stay important and do something, and important, like we don't really, it doesn't need to be important like you You were so smart. Right. That's great. It's important because you like connected. If you do something that makes a group of people connected. Right. Even like Einstein is super smart, but he he showed things to us that made our lives easier, right? Right. Like and and with like a guy like Mozart or Beethoven or whatever like that, like they created music that made music be able to grow and grow into Snoop Dogg. I mean, it's it, it it's totally. It's, so when you sit there, you're like no These Mozart, people... no Snoop Dogg. Exactly. M O Double G. Someone pull that clip. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> Wrap it up, put a bow on right. it. Right. <laughs> That's a soundbite. <laughs> yep. From no Mozart, no Snoop Dogg. <laughs> but but like when people can create something to that degree, 
you remember them. And what does it even mean to remember them? It just it gives you hope to want to do something. It gives you something to uh, strive for. Mm-hmm. And without hope, you know, and that's why there's that's why there's so many different people or like everybody's so religious and stuff like that. If there's not hope, what do you what do you have if there's no hope? Even even like just with with me as a musician, like you're you're hoping another show comes in. You know, honestly, there's been times where within this eighty or eighty one. I gotta see if it's 80 or 81. Like, this is killing me. Look it up. (laughs) I I, I gotta see what my last post was. Let me see. I can't. That's 80 or 81. It's just funny when you, like, lose count. I don't know. I know know it's at least 80, but I think we hit 81. Or maybe this next one's hopefully 81. But, um, the, uh, put that there. Make sure my ring is off. The, um, the thing with, like, when I'm sitting there now at, at night when the song's about to drop. I stress out Do you? because I've had a couple times in the, in the 81, I probably at least 150, you know, mm-hmm. some come in at number nine, some come in at number two. And when a song comes in, not number one, your, your brain can't help but go, well, that was my run. That's it. I'm That's done. it. And then it's only going to go number five, number 18, number 46. You know what I mean? After that. I can't believe you put yourself through that. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to. Well, you have I like 20 to, more. <laughs> I want to think, oh, well, that one was just that one. And that's why it's like, I, I, it's crushing. It's like crushing where like the whole next day, you don't even want to talk to me. I'm like, I, I can't work the next day. I'm like stressed out. I'm like, oh I'm like, well, that was my run because everyone gets a run. Mm-hmm. And also, we're so close to 100 now, so people are starting to rally. But we're a little bit far enough away where you go, 19 more weeks, I've got to do this. That's 20 weeks almost, you know. But then that's where hope comes in. It is 81 (laughs) because we have 19 more weeks. I know that. Uh So the hope, it's the hope that something will happen. And without hope, there's no reason to do anything. So those people like the Mozarts, the Shakespeare, whatever the people that lasted, right? And it brings us hope and that's kind of what i've kind of wanted to do and like i guess getting back to what you said but what would you say to young upcoming musicians mm-hmm. it is true this is a shit business it's it's hard not just to do what you do good mm-hmm. it's hard to have a pe- people accept you because to be great you have to be different and to start out different you're going to be made fun of and ridiculed Right. And like, yeah, that's what I was, that's where my brain was going. It's like, if you have a whole group of people that like and support you and rally around you, there's also another group of people that are like just talking shit and don't like what you're doing and have just terrible things to say. Absolutely. But, but even at the, at the first beginning process in order to do, if you're going to be, if you're going to be Garth Brooks and you're going to come out and be like the hillbilly guy from Oklahoma with the funny hat, you know, and you kind of walk funny and you talk silly and you're just the normal guy, Mm -hmm. he's going to get chewed up by all the marty stewart's and those guys who are like the fancy dressed guys mm-hmm. you know what i mean or I, I, elvis comes out looking like a freak of the time or the beatles come out like what is this they're, they're not from our country they're not you know there's the people who are just going to instantly shut it down but if they just follow the trend they might get that hit song or two mm-hmm. and that's why we have five legends that you can name right maybe 10 yeah and 60,000 songs released every day. <laughs> and, then there's a, and then there's that second tier of maybe 100,000 people that have had a hit or two, mm-hmm. but you'll never hear of them again. Yeah. So that's interesting, right? Like, I mean, it's weird to think that if you just go and you, you can make a hit song and follow the trend and get that dream. You want the hit song. It's always been my dream to have a number one single and a gold record on my wall. That's, of course, it's a dream, right? Mm-hmm. 
But if I did all the things just like everyone else did, I would have probably had that a long time ago and had one. Right. One gold record on my wall, one hit song, maybe two, maybe four, you know. But to be George Strait or to be Michael Jackson or the Beatles, like they have to be weird and different and nothing is like them. They're their own creatures. Right. And it doesn't always have to be a visual weird. Mm -hmm. Some of them are visual weird and some of them are just super, super prolific. Just right. Just so prolific that it just it's it can't go unrecognized. Mm -hmm. And for me, I've never been like a super weird person in that and a visual aspect, you know. But I love to work. I love it. And I work really hard. And I, I want people to remember. I want people to look back like that's why I think that's from growing up doing all those book reports on Mozart going like, look at the body of work this guy did. He wasn't recognized till 100 years after he died. 100 yeah. years after Mozart died, a guy made a statue and said, look at this guy's stuff. And we then you start recognizing his music. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to be bothered in the grocery store, you know? I yeah, want, I that wanna, part of I fame wanna, sounds like shit, to be honest. I want my grandchildren to be bothered <laughs> in a way with like, wow, like that guy did something good where it pushes them to not even be in the music industry, but like, I got to be great too, because like, I got some shoes to fill. Speaking of that, your kids are like going on stage with you now, aren't they? Yeah. So, um, Giovanni is playing drums with us now. That's so cool. <laughs> and uh, also like on the uh, percussion and stuff, because I have my other drummer and then my other son was kind of doing like behind the scenes stuff but he still he still wants it he's a he he wants to be a writer also like mm -hmm. like novels and so like so he's kind of just in his own zone so i'm just letting him do his thing apples don't fall far from the tree right that's exciting but i liked him coming around watching because like you're talking about people singing like i would say to him his name's luciano i'd say luci like look i wrote this mm -hmm. watch them all sing it you know like with music you can see the reaction with if you wrote a book and you sell it i'm not seeing what someone's doing in their home at night reading a book right but with music you can see their reaction yeah that is cool it's pretty cool and, and yeah i mean it's you know but i think i think it's all about finding your own path right didn't you do that like you you, you find what people do and mm -hmm. you have to you have to do those things but then you find your own weird way about it i right? think everything when we were what we were talking about how people don't have like a passion mm -hmm. i don't think that that they don't have one in general i think they just forgot what it was right because i to me it's like what you did in your childhood that brought you joy and you did it like on your own time like what you right. said it's like no one made you want to practice piano like i wrote on my own and you know writing is a huge part of of mm. pr and telling people stories i'm a storyteller i did photography like when we went on vacations and stuff my dad knew i was like in charge of the camera mm -hmm. because i was good at taking pictures and i got a camera on my own and i wanted to do photography classes on my own so I, all those things play a part in what i do mm -hmm. so that's why i like what i do now right. but i feel like people that yeah aren't fortunate enough to like they haven't sat down and thought to themselves like what what did i you know, even if it was like they, they liked sports or there was a sport they liked, what about being like a physical trainer or right. something to do with physiology? Well, there's kinesiology? a lot of ingredients. There's a lot of ingredients right. that go into any kind of success. And I mean, I, I was fortunate, like I said, growing up in Santa Cruz, like having the support and stuff, but I also had some key people that like, maybe not even influential people to me, but maybe said something or there was a guy I was playing with one time when I was, I don't know, I was 10 or 12 years old and the, and the guy, you know, he asked me, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, I want to be, I want to be a rock star. Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, what I'm doing now is literally 
at 10 years old what I wished I would be. That's so cool. But that's a great feeling, yeah. right? And of course, I want more. You want more, I want more. But like more is just, I, I realize now, because I'm not 20 years old anymore, I realize more is just more. It's Totally. More doesn't really mean better. More is just more. And I want more of it. I want, I want more of this feeling. But then, but then I start realizing, okay, well, more of that feeling means more work doing this. And then you start missing out like on the kids growing up or your dog has X amount of live, uh, years to live. Like You got to keep your eye on like the why the why instead of like right the outcome yeah i mean you got to be hyper focused on what you're trying to get but you're getting it for a reason mm -hmm. and for me the reason is to live out everything i thought i could have minus all the bad things i read about all the acts i didn't like i didn't like the being a prisoner of your own house can't go out like a michael jackson or elvis i i did not want that right. i did not want um, having to wake up and fly to Houston to do a radio show this morning and fly to Seattle the next morning. I, I did not want that. Yeah. I want to, I want to be a songwriter and I don't care if I ever perform on a stage. I happen to be, which is crazy because like, you're just, like I said, electric to watch. But I think that that's luck. That's just right. lucky. Yeah. I happen to someone that was in my tool belt, you know, tool he, bag. He plays box. the piano backwards for everyone that's <laughs> listening and hasn't just, seen him perform. Those are just tools to show you the song. Like if I could write the song and someone else sang it and they want to tour the world doing it, that's just as cool to me. You like made your own, as long as you're like following your path, you can like, you just kind of like weeded out the parts that you didn't want. Right. And, and that's living authentically. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it took a long, you know, a lot of speed bumps and a lot of roadblocks and stuff, but you, you start, if, if you're, if you're hyper-focused on what you want to have, there's no way you won't get it if you just constantly work at it and you work really hard at it and that, and know there's people on your heels that the second you sit down to take a break, they're going to pass you. Right. And That's... they're going to get it. And there's only one of them. Now, if, if you, like there's plenty of room for all of us in the music industry, right? There's plenty of room for lots of different PR companies, mm -hmm. but there's only one way that each person can get it. There's no one will ever be able to get it the way Sinatra got it again, or the way that uh, Garth got it, or Reba. You, you'll never get it that way again. Mm -hmm. So if you don't grab it, someone will get that way, and then you have to try a whole different way, and you might not be made for that way. I feel like there's so many different variables that would create that happening. There's like always an it quality that you think yeah. that people have, but also it's like kind of ignoring what other people are saying, like the people, mm -hmm. the negative parts that are like that. Why, why are you doing that? Someone's already done that before. Or what are you doing differently? Or whatever the shit talking concept is like, I have had horse blinders on my whole career. Right. Like, I just don't care what people are saying. And, and that's a hard, that's a good trait. And it's hard to, it's hard to get that though. I mean, it's, it's hard to ignore, especially when you're starting and starting, starting could be so many things. Starting could mean you've been doing it for 20 years, but like you haven't broken that national thing you, you're trying to do in music, at least. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, whatever that big breakthrough is, right? Mm -hmm. Like for us, my first number one single I did with a classical violinist, Joshua Bell, you met him. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was on tour with Air Supply and I got an email. I, I never had a record on the billboard charts or anything like that. And I was doing these cool things. And I thought I was like doing good stuff. I'm like, I'm on tour, but I was just a piano player. I made a record. I just made a record, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden I get the email from Sony Records saying, congratulations, you're number was one. Was that Eleanor Rigby? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is, what, what? What does that mean? This is from Sony. I'm looking like Sony, number one. What, what does that mean? So I write back, what, 
I, I was in an airport in uh, uh, Hong Kong, mm-hmm. and I ran back. I'm like, "What does this mean?" <laughs> and they're like, you're, "You're number one on the Billboard charts." You did it. And I'm like, <gasps> "What? What does that mean?" Like, and and they sent the link, and you open up Billboard, and there's that logo Billboard with the purple and the pink little yep. thing. And there's a thing that I always saw in every Jerry Lee Lewis movie or rock and roll Elvis movie when they start watching their thing go up the charts. I remember watching it as a kid going like, I want, I want to see that thing go up the charts. And that was your moment. And there I was, I'm number one. That's it says crazy. Eleanor Rigby, which is not, not a song I wrote, so it was a different feeling. Yeah. It was success, but through a different feeling. And, and I'm looking at it, I'm going like, okay, it can be done. Right. It can be done. Mm-hmm. I can do it. I want better. I want it to be a song I wrote and I want it to be, you know, where it's not my name slash someone else's name. I want it to be my name. I want it to be that. So that was the goal. And for the next 10 years, I worked on that goal and didn't get it again until I did. And then it was like, okay, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? And you start weighing that stuff out. Then you get the people coming at you. And I remember with that song, Mm -hmm. I start going on Amazon and looking at the reviews and there's for the first time, there's like, you know, 50,000 reviews, right? Jesus. Like, never seen anything like that. I'm used to like five or 10 people. You are not supposed to read the reviews. That's what everyone says. But I've says. never had Don't that experience. It. And so I'm like, and I'm looking at it, it was all great. It's like, this is a masterpiece. This is blah, 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 ha, ha. Hundreds, hundreds. And then I get to this one that says, the singer sounds like he's eating a sandwich. <laughs> And sounds it like you fucked my brain <laughs> it's up. It's like that one, right? There's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, but it's the one that you're like now that's cemented in my head because you clearly remember that's exactly. Ten years ago, I don't remember. I don't remember one of the good ones, but I remember that, and I'm like, what the hell does that mean? Like, am I mumbling? What does he mean? I mean, he's, but like it drilled into my brain. So that at that point, I realized. Don't ever read this again. Don't right. ever read this again. No. Because then once in a while, I'll open up like even Facebook. And f- Facebook, you have to ask to be my friend right. for me to even see a message. from You know what I mean? Yeah. Who asked to be my friend and I accept him and then it gives me some crap comment. Boy, you've gained weight. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> oh you know what I mean? Like, I don't like your new haircut. I like it when you do, uh, and shave. And none of those people would ever say those things no. to your face. No. It is just so wild with like computers and like keyboard warriors. But the best part about it is, is like with those, I go, on, we're really good. I have this lady named uh, Kathy Cornelius who does like all my fan club stuff, right? Mm-hmm. We're really good is when she sends out email blasts. We have this giant email list now, and we send out a blast to everyone. If if she can see who opens it, who doesn't. But if you don't open that email mm-hmm. four times, three times, take you off the list because we're not trying to find numbers. We're not looking for. It's like fake Instagram followers. Right. What's the what ultimately does it do? Right? right. Like yeah, this looks great. I've got all these numbers. Look at I got I got five hundred thousand emails. Well, but no one's. I, no I'd rather have a hundred emails of people that actually buy this stuff. That's right. Luckily, we've weeded down to hundreds of thousands of people, but like, but everyone, even on Facebook, if someone writes anything negative, I just block them off because the whole, my whole life is about me making my music and trying to get it for you to hear it. That's right. Right. So like, if you're not interested in my music, that's the only reason I'm not on social media to tell you what I had for lunch. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll do that stupid shit because it's fun, but like the goal is music to sell the music mm-hmm. and and to sustain a lifestyle off of my music like to, to turn it into a a business where i can sustain so like you know when you know when people want to come to the show and they leave the show and they write a review like sound sucked i'll never come back 
well, that's ignorant because I had nothing to do with that. Right. Um, or he drank too much. So I'm never coming back. I've seen Frankie. I've been following Frankie for, for a decade. How rude. And he was drinking on stage. Like, well, if you've been following me for a decade. You know that that's the normal you know that's thing the that you so do. So like you obviously have. Or people that go like, hey, I've been supporting you for years. Can I have a free CD? Then you're not supporting me anymore. Like, that's the only way I make my income. I don't, I don't go to work in the day and then sing songs at night. I, I have to make it. So that's why we started moving everybody over just to the iTunes and mm-hmm. and so now but what's so what's next for you and right now you're at Palms yeah I'm doing Palms uh, I'm doing South Point I'm doing Smith Center and then I do um, what else do I do I mean then we're traveling of course we're, we'll be we'll be traveling a lot and we're currently releasing a single every week um, that's crazy the goal is to hit that hundred mark and then I suppose we're going to change our whole way of getting music to people like I'm going to, I mean, we're going to still do digital, but not through all the companies. Mm-hmm. We got our own thing set up now. Like I've got my own iTunes built now. Cool. It's Frankie tunes, you know, like we Have got you our, launched it. Um, we've dabbled just to test it. Okay. We're teasing it on the podcast. Yeah. But so what will happen is once I hit a hundred, everything at that point, what we're going to do, we're going to make 100 physical copies. Mm-hmm. First come first serve. So like the most, whether you live in England or Egypt or, Perump, first ones that write in when I announce that it's being released gets one of the hundred copies signed, vinyl, uh, digital, CD, everything. Then you can also get it digitally just through us. That's awesome. And and the reasons the reasons not for anything else than like we we're just finding at this point finding who I'm not I'm not out there trying to like just find new people all the time. New people are great. It's like giving back to people who have been right. like into it for for a while right and just finding the ones who really care who the ones who come to this song i love sitting there and singing good old days and watching the whole front row cry i love that yeah because it's not it's not crying for sad it's just bringing back memories and if like it's at that point you realize it's not me making you cry it's these words well i i wrote these words but they came from somewhere yeah i i just harnessed them i, I took a net and caught them one day i got lucky i'm good at that i'm good at catching I can hear the songs in this room that you can't hear. I'm not creating. I'm not creating songs in the space. I can hear them and I find them. I can hear them in the lights buzzing and the buzz in my ear. I can hear it all and put something together and then try to touch you. And once in a while, when you do touch that person, like that's that superpower. Totally. I feel like that, like that wrapped the whole thing up and put a yeah, bow I think, on it. I think that's good. And I, you know what I did? I also, <laughs> I, well, it did. It went all the way back to what we were talking about in the beginning, but I just looked at the questions that your, your fans wrote in oh, yeah. and we like answered all of them. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, um, I'm, I'm proud of you that you're doing this. This is cool. I mean, I've known you a long time and I know you've grown this thing and as I'm walking into your office here, I'm like, all right, all right, girl. And then we're, and then, you know, I, we've been in this space for five years. So then when we were, when you were talking about like what makes you different from other people, I don't know another person that owns a PR agency that is going to own the building where their office is going to be. So right. that's the next step we're going to move. Yeah. I mean, and that just goes into that whole thing of when you're trying to tell the new generation, what's the best thing, find your own thing and kill it exactly and don't listen to shit talkers or people no. who don't understand what you're doing like a lot of people are like you're a pr agency you can't also do social social media right and now all of our clients use us for social media and we right. have the top accounts in the city so it's like i guess there's that fine there's that fine line of like listening to criticism and taking it for what it's worth what you want to use but like I, I definitely 
hear people say negative things and I think about them. But you you just have to you have to Use learn it that for fuel. Yeah, to like fuel yeah, your fuel. fire. It's for fuel, not to like put your fire out. Yeah, the second someone and people can do that. People can put your fire out. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you just write a song? <laughs> That's pretty good. I'm a fireman. George Strait he used to George have the Strait. most number ones. <laughs> Here we go. You got to make a song about, no, it's always be the fire you can't put out. You got to do something with that. Right. And that'll be your 82. I like three. it. You know what I'm concerned about is I don't know when this is going to air, but what if we have, what if it's a week or two and we have another number one and I had the wrong number? Then when I do, then when I do the intro monologue, which I have to record, then I'll say yeah. things have changed, but we're going to, we're probably going to launch this like next week. What'll be even worse is if I don't get another number one and I'm at home <laughs> just crying while this comes out. And this podcast just solidified the number. That was it. This was the end. This is not going to happen. This was the iceberg. That's not going to happen. You're the best at what you do. It's not going to happen. Tell everyone where they can find you. Uh, You can go to my Facebook, my Instagram, my, uh, it's all Frankie Marino, F-R-A-N-K-I-E Marino. There's another similar name in town, M-O-R-E-N-O. yeah, if you want to, if you like, you know, just go on. It's hard because you go on and you're going to see, like, oh, let me listen to one of his songs. You might find some children's song I wrote and be like, no, this guy sucks. Give it a couple songs. Like, go through a reggae and a country and a rock yeah, and a pop. Yeah, you'll find something that you connect with. Yeah, give it a couple. And then if you like that, then start tracing that style that where you like. But if you do, you know, jump on board with our, uh, we have also the, uh, the Frank Marino fan club thing that, um, I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. Tell people what they can start with, though. Like, what we said, the good old days. Or, yeah, I, I would listen to like if you like ballads and like storytelling ballads. There's a song called "The Toast." Yeah, can't go back. Good old days. Check that out. If you like uh, like old school kind of rock and roll blues stuff, we have an album called "Back to the Boogie." That's kind of fun. And please go on iTunes and buy right. the song. Yeah, we have like a Jerry Lee Lewis thing called like "Whiskey Women and Song." It's a full album, like an Elvis thing called "Broke Down in Paradise." I don't know. There's some. I have a classical album called uh, Pianoforte. I, I would just, if you like any of that stuff, just go click on the genre you like, and you'll find something you yeah. like. Or go to my website. It's frankmarino.com, and just browse. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much for Thanks coming for on. Me. This is a fun conversation. Congratulations on this. Thank you. You too.